We all long to live the life of our dreams, but few ever do. My hope is that through listening to this podcast, you feel inspired to make your own dreams come true and become a part of the 2% of people that say they are living the life of their dreams. My name is Dan Babic, and this is Dream Come True. Effort beats talent every time. Work hard, do your best, and never give up. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Dream Come True. I'm so excited because after having a little break because I've been in Australia, I'm finally back and I have an amazing man on my podcast today. His name is Kyle Denman and if you're not familiar with him, he is Mr. Fashion Extraordinaire. He debuted at New York Fashion Week, I think, last year for the first time. Correct, yeah. And he has won all sorts of awards, Designer of the Year last year. He won more awards this year, which I'm sure he'll tell us about and I'm sure you've seen his designs in a little magazine called Vogue or Harper's Bazaar. But uh, yeah, he's pretty major. So um, everybody welcome Kyle Denman. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. So first off, how was it debuting at Fashion Week last year? I mean, that's pretty major. It was surreal. It was an incredible experience to see all this hard work pay off on a global stage was incredible. Because of COVID, my runway was outdoors, which I think made it even better. My runway was on a rooftop in a building in Manhattan, and it was just an incredible experience having my friends in the audience, working with some of the best models who I have ever met. It was surreal, and I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to do that. I love that. And and what what because you've won a couple of awards this year. What did I know last year you were you know fashion designer of the year. Yes. And then you were featured in 30 under 30. Yeah. A couple so, of, yeah. 30 under 30 um for being a change maker in education. Wow. Yeah. That's that's major. I think thank you. Um I'm I'm really grateful. So where did it all begin because obviously now you're on a trajectory where I think you are going to be one of the major fashion designers and there's a lot of buzz around you especially right now and especially after last year so where did it all begin like where did you grow up how did it all start well my trajectory has been incredibly different than I would say a traditional designer so I was born in Seoul South Korea I was adopted uh, when I was three months old grew up in Cincinnati Ohio Um, great place to grow up you know it was a city but it was also of different things that I don't necessarily have in Los Angeles. First off, seasons. It snowed <laughs> in the winter, and I'm grateful for that experience, although I'm glad I don't have that now. Um, but I grew up in a, in a really nice family, but I was actually studying political science when I was in university. Wow. And I was on the trajectory of being an attorney. I was the youth mayor of Cincinnati, uh, back when I was in high school, I wrote legislation. I did research on nonprofits, um, worked with different nonprofits on their policy and organizational structure. And then I was really fortunate to work with this organization, Scripps Gerontology, um, with their program, Opening Minds Through Art. And it was an intergenerational art program 
where people who have dementia, Alzheimer's, and other neurocognitive disorders were working with youth on doing art making. And I was doing research with them, and I saw how profound art was for these people who were essentially at the very late stages of their lives. And I'd always loved art growing up. I was always the kid with a notebook or the kid doodling in class uh, in the margins of my notes or my homework. But that was really when I realized that I had to do something with art as a career for the rest of my life. So I graduated from college. I went to Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. And I told myself that I have to use art as a way to impact people in that same way that art was being used to impact these people who have dementia, Alzheimer's, and other neurocognitive disorders. So I moved to Los Angeles with a suitcase and a backpack, and I started my fashion journey. I had absolutely no idea how to sew or construct a garment when I first moved out here six years ago now. I didn't know anyone out here in Los Angeles, but it was exciting. It was incredible to be in a city with so much energy, so much creativity. I think so much culture that was something that I could relate to. So I went back to school. I went back to fashion school at FIDM, the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. A lot of people call that FIDM. But FIDM, it, FIDM, yeah. FIDM, yes, yeah. from the hills. That's how it goes. Yes, yeah, yes. People know about it in pop culture, yeah. Um, and I loved it. I loved my experience. I had incredible instructors. And I was really fortunate that they took a lot of time with me to teach me the basics from the ground up, whereas my uh, my peers, a lot of them had been sewing for years or they had programs in their high schools or their middle schools. And also, I was a little bit older than the traditional crowd there, right? Like I already had my degree in political science by the time I went back to school. So I was, you know, one of the oldest students in my classes. Uh, but I was really fortunate that I actually graduated at the top of my class as the valedictorian and the top fashion design student. Um, and then I was admitted into the advanced study fashion design program. It's highly competitive. They only accept 10 students. So I received two different degrees from FITM. And, you know, really the rest is kind of history. They opened up so many different doors. Uh, back in 2018, I was named the Young Fashion Designer of the Year. I had some work shown in New York in a, competi in a you know, competition um, I was featured on Project Runway as the grand prize winner of the Remake at Work contest. Uh, and really, it's just evolved from there in such such a cool way. And it, it just seems, I feel like with your story, it's almost just a tale of following your intuition because most people would think, oh my God, I have just spent, you know, four or five, however many years it was getting, you know, a science degree, you know, and then not using that. And then going back to school to do something completely different. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have hesitations? Were you angry at all that, oh, my God, or feel like you wasted time? How did you grapple with that being going to college, doing all that work, getting a degree, and then instantly being like, ah, that's not for me? Yeah. So I was definitely battling with a lot of thoughts. It was a lot of conflict internally for me for a while, but 
I am so glad I made the decisions that I made. I always told myself when I was first making the move to LA, I'd rather risk it than regret it. Especially at the time when I was so young, I was just 21 years old. And I, I, I told myself, I have to do this now because when else am I ever going to get the opportunity? Yeah. Um, and I'm really fortunate and I'm really grateful that actually I did study political science. I do use some of that work actually now. And that's a very interesting combination of policy and advocacy with fashion. Uh, but I think that's also what really allows me to stand out. But it really taught me a lot of these uh, transferable or soft skills, these non-cognitive competencies about being able to advocate for myself, about creating a network of people with whom I identify and who can push me to be a better version of myself. Right. And it is easier, I believe, you know, when you are 21 and you do follow your intuition and move somewhere with nothing because you have nothing to lose. Right, right. Because you have obtained nothing. But... It is harder, I think, as you do get older because I think the stakes are more and more and society has pressure on you that you should be, you know, certain somewhere in life. Yeah. So, And I know I always hate sometimes when younger people give older people advice because it's like, oh, well, you know, you haven't lived as long, but, you know, you have achieved, you know, great success in not a relatively short amount of time, but a short amount of time in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. But what advice would you have for someone that is older and isn't 21, is in, you know, even their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and so forth, um, that wants to just uproot their life and, and change everything? I would tell them to just do it and do it with kindness and empathy and effort. In my mind, it's one of my favorite quotes, effort beats talent every time. And I think especially in a creative industry, I mean, you know, mm. that effort goes a long way. That kindness goes a long way. And really, those few things can be the game changers for a person. Yeah, because you, you didn't know how to sew. No, I had no idea. So how did you, I mean, I don't know how to sew. Um, and I tried to learn to sew and I failed miserably after. It's tough. Yeah, after like six months, I still yeah, did couldn't do anything. So how did you have the confidence to be like, oh, I'm going to a fashion school and I'm going to learn to sew even though you'd, you'd never done it before? That's a really good question because I don't know if I actually knew that I could do it. I just wanted to go in. It felt Believing right. that I could, yeah. yeah. And, you know, besides trusting and following my intuition, I was trusting and following my heart. And so, really, I wanted to just put in my best effort and give it my all and see what would happen. And, you know, if, like you said, if, I, if it failed, it failed. And I didn't really have anything to lose at that point. I had another degree, another career that I could fall back on. But... Like I said, I'd rather risk it than regret it, and I'm really glad that I would, took that chance. That's a, that's a really good quote. I would rather risk it than regret it. Yeah, absolutely. And you can get everything back. Like, you know, you can lose everything, but then you can also get everything back. Right. And I, I, I've had that with my own life, losing everything, getting it all, you know, and, and that's the truth. It can go away just as fast as it came and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. So moving to LA with not a lot, you know, a suitcase and a backpack, I feel this story happens a lot where a lot of successful people move to big cities um, and don't have anything, but it's especially right now with like inflation and yeah. things, it's harder and harder it, and it was still hard when both of us did it. So 
how do how do you grapple with that when someone doesn't have a lot of money and you know they might even only have barely a month's rent? Do you, do you think it's the right time to go when you have nothing, or should you stay at home a bit more and, and try and save up, or, or, or what, like what do you do when you when you come somewhere and have nothing? You know, that's a really interesting question, and I think the answer is completely dependent on each person. I think for some people, it is better to be a little bit safer and to stay at home, save money to prepare for the journey or whatever it may be. And for others, it might just be better to take that chance. And I think it's completely individual. Um, one thing that really helped me was that networking skills that I was able to receive from being in political science. I was able to build a very strong network of people as soon as I moved out to Los Angeles, which I'm incredibly grateful for. Some of my closest friends. And so I knew that I had what I call a cheetah pack, you know, right next to me and around me every step of the way. And that really allowed me to be encouraged to keep trying, to keep working, to try new things. But it also gave me a safety net and a comfort zone too. Yeah. And I, I even look back at my own life and when I came to LA with, with nothing and even though I was on a bunk bed with like six other people in a youth hostel, I was probably among the happiest I've ever been and I had nothing but it was it's <laughs> so exciting. It's such an exciting time when you, I guess, go out on the hero's journey to try and achieve your dreams. Oh my gosh. It, I still remember that flight from Cincinnati out to LA. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I wore a cardigan on the plane just so I could post a picture with the lyrics to a party in the USA, but love it. it. But you know, it, it really is just about following your dreams. And I think what's really interesting and what I love about you as a person is part of your dream. And I hope it's a part of everyone's dream in some retrospect is giving back because I understand you work with women and and help in, in, in a charitable sort of way. And yeah. So tell me about that. Yeah. So I have actually cultivated a whole fashion design program in Los Angeles where I work with youth or young people, for the most part, young women, uh, although some of the students with whom I work are um, you know, students who may identify as part of the LGBTQIA plus community, who may identify as trans or non-binary. Um, and I use fashion design as a way not only to teach them those skills about sewing and design and pattern drafting, where they can use those skills in the industry to actually get a job, but I use it as a way to teach them so much more about vulnerability and advocacy and self-worth. So many of my students, so many of these young people come from backgrounds filled with trauma, backgrounds where their social emotional needs are incredibly high, where they've experienced things like trafficking or homelessness, gang violence. They've been impacted by the juvenile justice system. Some of them are young pregnant and parenting mothers or are new arrivals to the U.S. and are just learning English. But then that's a great way to communicate with them because fashion is the most universal form of communication. It isn't just expression of how you're feeling and your identity as a person, but it's also an expression of what you want to communicate with the world versus also how you want to be seen by the world. It is. And it and it does 
people, it's just the way it is. People instantly judge you when they see you. Right. And by what you're wearing or, you know, how you're presenting, you're setting a message, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's instantly before talking to you, people feel like they know you in some way based on what you look like or how you're dressed. Right. And, you know, whether that be good or bad, bad, it's it's the 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 truth. truth. Yeah. Yeah. So with you working with, you know, I guess, the, you know, un- an underprivileged environment. What's the most beautiful story that you've kind of witnessed in someone, you know, being able to go about their dreams, you know, through fashion and art and being able to transform their lives? What's been th- the best? Oh, my gosh, there are so many. Um, you know, one time, one of my very first students, actually, who graduated from my program, she wrote in her journal and she spoke about this at an event in front of about 300 people saying that this program changed her life and it taught her how to love herself. Another student was identified as being homeless or unhoused. She had been at five high schools before her senior year, was out of school for over a year, and then COVID hit. So she was out of school for a while. I was able to meet her on Zoom and I got her re-enrolled in high school. She was part of my fashion program. She graduated, and now she's off in college studying fashion design. Wow. Yeah, and there's so many stories, and that's exactly what I wanted to do when I moved out here was to impact people through art, fashion specifically for me. But now it's exciting because I get to work with the people who are essentially at the very early stages of their lives as opposed to the people with whom I worked in the past who were at the very late stages. Hmm. So I've been able to really see the impact of art and fashion specifically on the human experience, which is incredible. Yeah, and that's just one form of art, but I guess, you know, and you know even as as someone that's studied science that it does have an impact. And I think Meryl Streep has even said, um, you know, when she's won awards and stuff, you know, turn your pain and make something beautiful out of it. Right. And that that is really good advice for someone that is in pain, that is struggling, to try and make something beautiful out of it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. People look at the fashion industry as incredibly frivolous. Very shallow. Shallow. Yeah. Um, and your, your experience with fashion and the life that you're cultivating is the complete opposite of that. Oh, thank you. And you're really helping transform lives in the process. So it's it's pretty amazing that that's part of your story. And I, I even see that for your life moving forward, that there will always be an impact in a positive way that you're trying to have on the world. It's not just about clothes and making people feel beautiful. Yeah, and I think that extends to even my runway shows. Uh, for those of you who have seen any of my runway shows, it's pretty safe to say that a lot of the garments that I put on the stage on the stage or on the runway are not that wearable. They're not that marketable. I want to create a spectacle on stage for the audience, for whomever is watching. And a lot of those shows have certain themes where I try and bring certain messages across. I like to create controversy through art. I like to make waves. And I think after showing in New York Fashion Week, after being named the International Fashion Designer of the Year last year. Which is, that, that is huge. Oh, thank you. Like, uh, thank huge. You. That's major. Thank you. They're like, not, like the International Fashion Design of the Year. Yeah. I think those things, those platforms allowed me to have the confidence to really push that idea forward of 
I now have the privilege and the platform to share these ideas, to create this controversy, to share these stories and these cultural narratives in a way that maybe a few years ago I wouldn't have been able to, or not as many people would have been able to access it. And I, even though I've hosted fashion shows and I have been involved in the world, I've always been careful to call myself a fashion expert because I'm not. I will come. You're selling yourself short. Yes, I <laughs> know. I call myself a style expert because I don't know the full history of fashion, mm-hmm. which you probably do. But um, what I do know is that fashion always mimics where we are at life. So right. when we're well, whatever is going on in the world that is translated into fashion and that whatever's going on globally sets the trends for the world and what we wear. Absolutely. Fashion really exists at the intersection of political, social, and cultural dilemmas and contexts throughout the world. It's really interesting to see, even thinking about the T-shirt that I'm wearing right now, thinking about where did it come from? Who grew the cotton? Who spun the yarn? Who created the fabric itself? And who created the pattern pieces and everything? Like, how many lives did this T-shirt touch before it fell into my hands? Yeah. And did it, did it touch lives in a positive or a negative way? Was exactly. Was it a, a 10-year-old that's been working 15 hours a day for 25 cents? Right. And, you know, I asked, you know, people in the audience who are listening to really think about whose lives did the, each of their clothes touch? And really, in a profound way, is it ethical, right? You know, I think that's a, an ongoing conversation. But how many lives do we as people touch? Thinking about that, that's a lesson that I, I do with my students, right? Like, yeah, our clothes impact people in a positive and negative way. And we as people do too. Yes. How do we ensure that that is the most positive relationship building that we can create with others? And actually, that's a really interesting to like analogy that we as people just navigating the world in a, on a daily basis we you know affect people generally in either a positive or a negative way yeah and i think even just thinking about that it's almost like you know for people that don't even know that they are giving off negativity and and making people's life harder in their de- you know with who they encounter Absolutely. that's that's a good question i think to ask yourself like am i creating a positive experience for others in my daily life or a negative experience through my actions and how I navigate the world. Right. I I think there's a quote. I I don't remember who said it. I might have been Dr. Seuss, uh, who, you know, who is a little problematic, but um, the quote, a simple smile can make someone's day, I think is the quote. And even when I was on my way over here, I was getting into my car, you know, in my neighborhood and this woman who was just walking, you know, in the morning, just taking her morning walk, she walked past me and said, oh, hey, good morning. I was like, I was taken aback by that, but I was like, good morning. Like, it, it was great. That made my day. I remember, and I don't know the specifics, but I remember my mother with work, she went to you know a conference, she used to work for Target head office as a fashion buyer. So that's where my knowledge of fashion started. <laughs> and they used to have huge guest speakers and CEOs talk. And I remember her telling me, and I'm probably botching the story, but do you know what? The the message is the same. <laughs> um, but one of these CEOs of, and I can't remember who it was, of an incredibly big company um, was suicidal. And they had decided one particular day that they were going to ho- go home and they'd written the letter and that they were going to end their life. And as they were leaving work that day and, you know, about to go home, 
somebody asked them how they're doing and smiled at them. And it was just a light something. It wasn't like a profound, deep connection. Yeah. But it was a profound moment in this person's life because they decided, you know what, I that was real. someone just acknowledged me they were feeling unseen and that they didn't matter mm-hmm. and that someone acknowledged them that didn't have to yeah that someone saw them and they said today's not the day you know maybe tomorrow and it was that one moment that one smile that one i see you that transformed their life that's incredible and that was actually one of the ideas behind the New York Fashion Week collection. My collection was titled Multipolar Existence. And I wanted it to talk about the interconnectivity and the multidimensionality of the human experience. So each outfit, full outfit in the collection, had a certain theme associated with it based on people's experiences. Wow. And one of the looks actually was inspired by this idea of soulmates connecting maybe once. That was it. Whether it might be on an airplane and you never get to talk with them again. Whether it be on a train or maybe it was even at a bar one night, you know, dancing. And you spend the evening together and wake up and you see the sunset while you get a cup of coffee and then you walk away. And that look, it had this embroidery that I did of two faces, you know, single line art, abstract looking faces in two different colored threads intersecting at one point and then never meeting again. The idea that you never know who can change a person's life or who can impact a person's life in such a profound way. It's really interesting you say that because I believe that um, you know, there's not one person for everyone that, you know, we can have multiple soulmates in right. our life and there are various indi- individuals that are, are there to be our potential soulmates. Um, and it, like that's a, an incredible notion that sometimes that we will pass our soulmate or, or someone that could be our soulmate and we we don't even know. I remember a psychic telling me that um, I just love conversations like this. I love yeah. the kind of hocus pocus of life um, telling me that my one of my soulmates had just died. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. And she actually thought it was my boyfriend or someone that I was in a relationship with. And I said, no. But she's like, oh, well, just so you know, one of your soulmates had died. And and it really got me thinking about how there are soulmates out there for us in the world that we might never know, never meet. We never meet them, yeah. yeah. It's incredible. Wow. Wow, what an interesting story. It is. Well, I mean, what an interesting story with you and what you're doing. It's not just about clothes and a lot of I, I, and and even with people listening to this who aren't fashion people and thinking oh do I really want to listen to you know talking about clothes it's really interesting that when you look a little deeper that it's not just about clothes it's any it's about life really right right another question that I ask students is you know for every outfit that we put on in the morning there's a why to it what is that why Maybe it's purely comfort. Maybe it's colors that we want to wear to express our feelings or, you know, act a certain way. Or maybe we have a business meeting and we have to dress up, you know, quote, professionally for it. But what is that why? And then I ask my students, what is your why? You know, what is your mission? What are 
your values, how do you express that why to mm. others? That actually uh, brings me to a really good question. And sorry to get a bit more deeper on <laughs> you, but what is your why for life? Like, why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah. So I always tell people that my mission is to use my platform and my privilege to create social change, you know, share cultural narratives with others and humanize the experience that people could have. But I think when responding to, you know, what is my why? It's because why not? Mm. Why not me? Yeah. Why not use the privilege that I have to be able to spread these messages, to be able to amplify the voices of these young people with whom I'm working? Because also, if I'm not doing it, someone else might not. Someone else might not give them the chance. Mm. So I want to use everything in my power to share their stories and to give them access to new opportunities to share their stories with others. And it's just interesting because even before time, there has been a social hierarchy. You know, kings, queens, peasants, yes. merchants. It's just the way that we're built. And people, you know, and that's why there are so many religions and so many gods and because people want to look to something bigger than them. Right. Um, but I even know living in LA and working with celebrities that it's actually all bullshit. <laughs> no one is better than another person. Right. No one is like of, of course, we've all got our special talents and gifts, but we're actually all the same. So th th that's bullshit. It's, you know, Oprah's not Oprah because she is like the immaculate conception of God. Mm -hmm. Like she is very special and she's harnessed her special abilities and talents, but she's no better than anyone else with, with however they grew up. And like, it's, it's an interesting thing because we think that, we aren't worthy or that we're not good enough or who are we to think that we can do that or I can't do that because I'm not skilled in that way or because I don't look that way um, or because I came from this place or I'm not like them. There's something wrong with me. A lot of people think that there's something inherently wrong with them and that they're less than, but it's actually all a crock of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, from the queen to I don't know who else, that like she's no, her blood's no better than your blood. Absolutely. And it's so sad for me to see the youth with whom I'm working, who for the most part all identify as BIPOC youth, who don't have access to things because of maybe the way they look or the communities of color in which they grow up. And that's why I have to do, and that's why we have to do what we do as people, is to give them equitable access to be able to show their worth to others. Because honestly, a lot of people aren't normally listening. And if they can listen through me, then that's that's what I that's what I'm doing. Correct. And that's what I want to do. I think when you were talking about your why, it really sparked in me, um, I guess some good advice for people that are, you know, are struggling because you know, as you said, our, our daily lives are why there's always an intention behind something. We don't just do something for the sake of doing it. We're doing it. There's a why. Why are we doing that? There's something. There's something pulling us to yeah. do every action, whether it be brushing your teeth or whether it be designing and whatever it is, there's always a why. Um, and I think when people are achieving their dreams, that that's the, the best question to ask themselves is why do I want this? Absolutely. Because a lot of the times we want something, 
because society tells us to want it. Yeah. So I think, you know, really getting, why do I really, really want this? Like, honestly, like, get down to the bones, authentically the deepest part of myself. Why do I want this? And I think that when it is an authentic thing and it comes out of, you know, you're the pureness of your heart, yeah. I don't think you can go wrong. Absolutely. I think it's so important for everyone to live life honestly. And I think... Authentically. Yeah, authentically. And to really understand that, you know, if you can do that, if you can prove your effort and why you want something and that you can get to it, people are going to respect that. Yeah. And not to be, you know, a Debbie Downer, but that's where I think part of the world really needs to catch up and it's unfortunate because what's authentic to you and what's authentic to me is different. It's, uh, yeah, it's all relative. Yeah, it's all relative. You know, people being their authentic selves looks different on everyone. It's right. as unique as your fingerprint. And I just feel like it's unfortunate. And, and you see this every day with the people that you work with in the, you know, in the charitable things that you do, that unfortunately what authenticity looks like for some other people is ridiculed, is looked at as disgusting, um, is looked at as unemployable. Yeah. And I mean, what advice do you have for those people? Because for some people, what is authentic to them is accepted by society and is celebrated. I guess that's why we're kind of at the stage we are in life because certain people are born into, I guess, what they're calling privilege is because who they are authentically is naturally celebrated and um, almost acclaimed in a way or is seen as a good thing. But then people, you know, by no fault of their own, who they are authentically is seen as less than and, you know, sometimes some really dark things by society. Yeah, so some advice that I have is advice, again, that I give to my students. So a little bit of backstory. I am a huge fan of the Cheetah Girls. Oh, I love So I tell my students, you know, that they're Cheetah-licious. And I tell them that all of their Cheetah spots are unique, that they are fierce and powerful. Their Cheetah spots might look different from one another, but that's also what makes them beautiful. And for those people who are listening who might not feel celebrated all the time, know your worth. Know that your cheetah spots are beautiful mm. and that they are uniquely your own. And and know that it's it's all bullshit. That Yeah, absolutely. Know, that like no one is better than anyone else. And who is someone else to say that who you are authentically is good or or bad? Right. Because who you are authentically, I think that is that's the that's like how you were born. Like that's that you can't go wrong. And I think if everyone embraced who they are authentically, the world would be a different place. Because I think most people authentically and the pure part of themselves are good. Absolutely. You know, embrace those cheetah spots. Embrace what makes you unique. You're cheetahlicious, and surround yourself with those people in your cheetah pack who will celebrate you and continue to uplift you and protect you. And and that is one of the good things about the world for some people. You know, they are accepted into most societies just by who they are authentically. For other people, there are less communities right. that, that represent who they are. But guess what? There is a place for everyone in the world. And I think some of the best advice I've seen is to go to move to communities. And that's why it even goes back to the dawn of time with tribes and stuff. Go and find your tribe. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... As far as fashion is concerned, we kind of, you know, spoke about how it really is a reflection of where we are at as a society. So 
what do you think fashion is saying right now, the fashion trends are saying about where we are right now as a world? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting to specifically think about fashion and art, especially as the COVID pandemic evolves in the ways that it has. I think fashion is saying that we as people, as humans, are hopeful. And I think the trends say that, even in ter- not necessarily in terms of just construction or silhouettes or whatever. But I think as a whole, there is celebration that we survived and that we will continue to survive and that we will carry on despite any challenge. So you're seeing a hopefulness represented in fashion right now. I th- I do believe that, yeah. And I think that it trickles down to the conversations that are a little bit more nuanced in the industry of sustainability, of ethical sourcing, of of accessibility of clothing. And I think that shows that we have to, in order to survive, exist as a whole. Hmm. And I think I don't really like to talk politics because um, that's not my thing. That's not what I'm meant to do. But I think we can all agree that it has, it's a fucking shit show. It's a shit show. And I think that sometimes everything almost has to burn to the ground. Yeah. And that it's a beautiful thing before we can really, we need to build things from the ground up again in some ways. Um, But it's actually nice to hear someone say that they're hopeful. And because a lot of people have been felt hopeless. Absolutely. Especially over the past couple of years with the COVID pandemic. Yeah. And just the world, uh, you know, as it is. But, uh, and I am starting to see, even in my life, that there is still a hopefulness. I I have seen a hopefulness rise, which is really interesting. Yeah, and you know, hopefully we can all be kind to others. And I think that's ultimately what we as people need to do is to be kind and to show that kindness, whether it be for an industry that is incredibly competitive or critical or challenging to navigate like the fashion industry. Or just ask people to be kind to others. And what would you say, you know, out of, you know, obviously there are things that are, you know, I guess more egotist, ego-based, um, but, you know, you've achieved so many things, both, you know, awards and accolades, but also with moving people's lives forward and helping transform people. Um, but what, what are you most proud of out of all the things that you've done and achieved? I think I'll give two answers. I think professionally speaking, just, you know, to be perfectly honest, I think the most profound and most special thing in my career has been showing at New York Fashion Week. Huge. When a few years ago, I didn't know how to sew or anything. Uh, So that's something that I'm incredibly proud of. Yeah, and, but, and just for anyone listening, like that goes to show that it really anything is possible. Because absolutely. Cleveland, Ohio, don't sew to New York Fashion Week in a few years. So whatever it is, whether it be cooking, whatever, like whatever it is, you can really you, you can go from not sewing to, to showing at New York Fashion Week in every sort of industry. That analogy applies. Absolutely, but I think the thing I'm most proud of is. Having had the opportunity to build these relationships with these young people, I mean, they've changed my life, every single one of them. And to see them grow and to be part of their journeys is an honor. And I think by working with them, that has honestly helped me professionally to remain humble because sometimes it can be difficult to remain humble no matter what. 
And I think it's allowed me to stay grounded because they keep me grounded. And they're a bunch of teenagers. They will call me out when they need to also. <laughs> and I think that's honestly been really, really special for me. Yeah. And when you give, you receive. And it's I feel like uh, being a witness to your life and your story that they, your students have taught you just as much as you've taught them. Oh my gosh, probably even more. Probably more, yeah. yeah, they've taught me so much. And I think that's, you know, we spoke about, you know, making something beautiful out of pain. I think that's also another way to help get yourself out of pain and to help get you on your road to your dreams is by giving back. Absolutely. That that can really get out of your head and that can help you not only personally, but also professionally uh, in the best possible way because you would not be where you are today and I don't think that you would have shown at New York Fashion Week yet hadn't you worked with these students in the capacity that you have. You're absolutely correct. Absolutely. 100%. So just before we do go, and I, I am just so touched, you know, that you've come today and that we've, you. you've really shown up and you've been 100% vulnerable and authentic and I I've just feel such a deep connection to you in even just such a short time. Oh, thank you. Likewise. But what is the best piece of advice you have for someone that wants to achieve their dreams? Yeah. So I guess, again, two things. The first one is effort beats talent every time. Work hard. Do your best and never give up. Um, and then the second one is be humble, live with kindness, show up with compassion because that goes a long way. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Kyle. Uh, I've learned so much from you today. Well, thank and you I know for that having me. Everyone that listens today will learn so much from you as well. So. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, and also I'll just ask you, what, what have you got coming up? What are, what are you working on right now? Yeah, so I've actually been working with a few really incredible clients. Um, I have, to be honest, the best client ever. Mm -hmm. One of my best friends with whom I grew up. She and I have known each other since we've been about four. I'm making her wedding dress. Oh my God, that's yeah, so fun. Yeah, so that's incredible. Wow. Along with a bunch of other clients. And then I have an opportunity to show in other fashion weeks like Paris. Um, so I'm working on that collection. I, it's slow and steady because I want it to be something special, something new. And like I said, I'm not afraid to make waves. And I want to make some waves with this collection. Yeah. And someone, sometimes, sometimes slow and steady rings the race. I actually saw a video the other day of a of a dog running really fast next to a turtle uh, in, a, in a race. And then the dog stopped three quarters of the way through and just kind of twirled around. <laughs> and they're like, come on, dog, you're almost there. I'm almost there. But burnt out, you know, had enough. And then the turtle eventually got there and the dog never did. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And thank you everyone from listening. I hope you even just got something small out of today, but I think people got something big out of today. And I'm so excited to continue to have these conversations because I think the most important thing in life is that we all find out what we're meant to do and get about the business of doing it. So thanks again, everyone. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dan. Of course. Goodbye for now. Yay.